I'll be bringing the message in a little bit, and it'll be kid-friendly, hopefully, and I mean, it will be kid-friendly for sure. Uh, so there's activity bags in the back. Um, but if you've got kids, uh, kind of corral them a little bit. So, so I see some kids that have no parent. All right. Are we ready? Let me just pray before we start. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for this group of people and what they mean to me personally. And what they mean to the kingdom because the way you've assembled this group, the way you've put us together to perform the work of your kingdom in central Oklahoma, Lord, I believe that that these people can make that happen. So as we open ourselves up to you and have an encounter with you and worship and the study of the word and our giving, Father, I pray that you'll do your work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. But now we're running free. We are forgiven. 
accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing. Come on, if you can't get excited about that, we're in trouble. And now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely morning, God. Thank you, God. The, the joy of the Lord is our strength, God. Thank you for what a joy it is to be in your house today, God, for the power that comes when we gather together in your name, Jesus, for your Holy Spirit to come and to strengthen us. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We worship you. We give you our hearts. We give you ourselves just completely, Jesus.
just asked Claire if she minded me sharing something um, a while ago, maybe a, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago, um, she was having very demonic kind of nightmares, like really evil nightmares, where there was death and there was destruction, and, um, and come to find out, it had been actually going on for a long time. And uh, it seems like it got spawned by her seeing something at um, an older family member's house that she probably shouldn't have seen, a, a movie that she had no business watching, but was she was exposed to. And um, so I find out that she's having these nightmares, and she's basically like reading at night books just to try to stay awake because she's scared to go to sleep because of the dreams, and they were very repetitive. And so we prayed over them, and we prayed about that. And uh, one of the things I told her is, Claire loves music. And I was like, you know, I'd love to see you use worship as a meditation to fight this and battle this. And uh, it made me think about it. This is one of the songs that she listened to on repeat over and over every night. And um, she doesn't have those dreams anymore. Those dreams are gone. And, you know, God calling us out on above the waves is going to look different for different people. You know, in Iran right now, it may mean proclaiming Christ in the face of actual death. But for a 10-year-old, it might mean singing a worship song until you fall asleep. And putting your trust and putting your belief and putting your faith in those words and I don't know what your nightmare is today. I don't, I don't know what it is. It could be an actual, real, dangerous sickness. It could be marital challenges that are on the brink of failure. It, it could be financial. It could be a lot of things. But if we're going to put our faith, our internal faith, where our mouth says it is, and it's going to require a certain amount of action. And it's going to require us being called out onto things. And, and sometimes we think those things are so big and so dramatic. But oftentimes they're just every night or every day doing a bunch of repetitive things that will discipline our bodies and discipline our minds. It's the same way that I would build muscle, which obviously I need to do. I'm really tiny. But... I won't do it overnight and I won't do it with one big giant push to Gold's Gym 
or to CrossFit. I show up one day at CrossFit and they're like, wow, we're going to make you super buff. No, you're not. And if you are, you're just trying to get my credit card because that's not going to how it works. But I could do it with a long obedience in the same direction. So as a church, let's Let's commit to that long obedience. Let's look at the ocean as one step at a time. Walk across it one step at a time together. God, we know, we know in your word, we know that we are to thank you for suffering. We are to thank you for trials. We don't like to. I don't want to but that's what you have called us to do so I even today I thank you for the challenges that we are facing and we know that they're not challenges that are simple to explain oftentimes we're not here to debate the theology of the challenges but we're here to look to the God who walks through uh, with us through the challenges So help us to get our eyes off of the waves, to keep our eyes above the waves, on the horizon line, where we can see that you'll be there with us on the other side of it. No matter how bruised, no matter how battered, no matter how scarred, that you will bring beauty from ashes, that you will develop our character, that we will be the disciples that you want us to be as we share in Christ's suffering, however that might look in our lives. And the sacrifice of praise that we give you today is our desire to control the outcomes, our desire to micromanage them, to only apply our faith if we'll see it happen in this way or that way. But we give that to you. That's our sacrifice. We say, no, you, you take us across the ocean how you're taking us. I want to follow you. I want to be led because you're good and we know that we can trust you. We love you. We praise you. Have your way in the rest of this service, every single part. Have your way. We want to see your kingdom come here, right here in this room today as it would be if we were transported out of here in a rapture or whatever. I don't know. I don't know end time theology, but like we're just boom. We're sitting in your throne room. We want to see your kingdom here, today, now. Help us to be the doers of the word that you long for us to be, and not hearers only. We love you. Amen. Pam, are you giving us some announcements? Right now, right here, right now, there's a song about that. You guys can be seated when Miss Pam comes to share announcements this morning. All right, we got to give her a mic. Steve not going to give you a mic? (laughs) Softly rude. (laughs) You should play a kick while you're doing it. Well, welcome to church. Welcome. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. (laughs) Um, If you are, I don't think we have any visitors today, but are happy that you all are here. We're happy to have Pastor Lee and Ginger with us today. Um, 
tonight, there's an opportunity for us to get together with our Stillwater family. They're having a worship night, um, sort of like when we've had um, Dwelling Place. It's just a night of worship. They're also having a baptismal service, but we are invited. So anybody that wants to go, it's at 630 at Victory Life Church in Stillwater. Um, we have life groups at here at Victory Life. And we want you all to be a part of one. We have a once a year launch because we just, we let everybody take their own breaks whenever they want to during holidays and stuff. So uh, we launch in the fall and we go through the school year and keep going in the summer if people want to do that. So uh, we are launching on the 24th of September. That's the last Sunday of September. And if you want to know more about life groups, talk to me. If you think you might want to lead a life group, come talk to me. Um, we want everybody involved in life groups. It's where we get discipled. It's where we get to know each other, where we can be transparent in a smaller group. That The kinds of things that don't happen in here on a Sunday morning happen in life group. So... That's on the 24th, and our we have a life group that's met all year long and um, only took one month off in the summer, and that's our Vintage Ladies Life Group, and it's pretty fun. And if you're a lady, you should come September the 2nd on Saturday evening. It's at Jennifer Green's house, and it is at 6 o'clock, and um, there's food, and there's fun, and we... We share, we talk about Jesus, and we also play games. We play cards. So it's a lot of fun. Um, also, I just want to say that our grow teams, um, our teams, we used to call them grow teams, teams are where we serve. And so if you're interested, I'm just going to tell you on our flow page, um, there is a team's block. If you'll just click on that, it'll tell you about our teams and what they are. And there's just an interest sheet. It doesn't mean you're signing up for one. But if you're interested, fill that out, and I'll give you a call. The end. So Goldilocks went from one thing to the next thing until she found what? The, the one that was what? Just right. That's right. She went from one thing to the next thing until she found the one that was just right. If you Google Goldilocks, what comes up is that that term, it refers to a lot of things, but it refers to the position of the earth in the solar system. It's called the Goldilocks effect. It is that the earth is in the, that is positioned in its orbit around the sun just right so that the temperature is not never gets too hot and that well some people would disagree with that but it never gets too hot and it never gets too cold to be able to sustain life um, on the earth so that's the goldilocks effect um, but the idea of something being just right affects people how we do a lot of things that we move from one thing to the next thing until we find ever whatever's just right. And one of the problems with that is that we're often dissatisfied and we may be happy with something for a minute 
but it, it, you know, we don't have much commitment to it. And so we're always looking for the next best thing. A lot of people kind of shop for church that way. And that runs into a problem. And some people want to go to a church where they don't make very much connection. And it's easy. Um, uh, there was a movie with uh, a few years ago. It had Al Pacino and it had uh, uh, um, the other guy that was in The Godfather, Robert De Niro. And they, um, they robbed banks. And one of the, the advice he gave to one, one gave to the other, he said... Never, never be so tightly connected to something that you can't just drop it in a minute. Because if the cops were after you, you just had to break and run and disappear and you, and you just left everything behind. We got to where, and of course that was hard for those bank robbers to do, and one of them got in trouble because of it. But that's, we've become a whole society that kind of does things that way. We, we can break and run at a moment's notice, hopefully not because the cops are after us, but, but, but we don't stay committed. That's why some people, and a lot of people, choose their church just so that they're not too connected. Um, they'll go to a church where you don't make too much connection. And so that's, you run into a problem when you do things like that, though, because like when we sang that song, Oceans, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. And I know how that is because we've been at places, we've been at a particular spot in our life where, where God took us through. God didn't take us through that time. Circumstances created a situation where we went, we went through a trial and it wasn't of our own making. God didn't do it. God didn't make that thing happen. But the ability to see ourselves through that trial, to take us through, was based on a lot of connection that we had with church. Without the church, we wouldn't have made it through. We, they took care of us for a whole week. Um, uh, it was when our daughter died. We had It was a complicated situation. The weather was crazy, so... You, people couldn't go different places they needed to go. Um, uh, the funeral was postponed for a long time because of uh, coroner's investigations and all those kind of things. Without the people that we had around us, I don't know what would have happened. Um, the psychologist that I worked with, that I'd gone to, actually gone to high school with, and we had worked together for about 20 years, and she dropped everything. Um, this is somebody who has a very busy schedule and a lot of people depended on her. And she dropped everything and came and folded clothes at our house and fixed food and, and, and dealt with people that were coming to, to, my, to my house. Um, and that wasn't a church connection. But we, and then we had all these church connection people that in order to be able to see yourself through a trial like that, you have to have those relationships to begin with. And I don't know if you've ever dealt with somebody who was going through a trial like that without someone to support them, but it's a difficult situation to be in if you've got no one. And unfortunately, a lot that's how we operate a lot these days. Um, so, just right, 
was one of the problems with goalie ball. Breaking and entering was a problem. Um, everybody knows that, right? In fact, I think that that's the moral of the story is don't break into people's houses. Um, I, I thought that there was a lot deeper message, though, and it's that looking for things that are just right. God does work things together for our good, Romans eight twenty eight says. And so we're, we're looking for good, but the idea of just right is um, it's almost an impossibility because something that's just right for the moment may not be just right for tomorrow. Um, and oftentimes... Things being just right uh, is a very subjective thing. When, uh, when Paul was writing a lot of the New Testament, and he's talking about relationships that he had with different people, and he had awesome, very close relationships. He had some people that were like, and he called them his children in the ministry. They, he, he didn't birth them physically, but he birthed them in the spirit. And so he had a lot of churches and a lot of people that were a, a part, uh, that were like his spiritual family. And, um, and he said, and then there were other people, uh, because a lot of people made fun of Paul. They talked bad about him and tried to drag him down. And he went through a lot of trials because of that. Um, but 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, and the King James, the New King James Version says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. We don't class ourselves and compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Um, When you have a ruler, that, that ruler measures 12 inches no matter, no matter where you are. That, that ruler measures 12 inches, and it's a standard. And so you measure a foot by that 12-inch rule, right? Because 12 inches is a foot. And I won't get started on that. I almost went there. Um, Pam knows what I'm talking about, but I'm, just, I'm, I'm leaving it alone. Um, the voice version of that, of that verse makes a lot more sense, and I want to read it. And Paul's talking about how we, how we judge things and compare things. And uh, it's, you can, if you compare things to a ruler, everybody knows what you're talking about. And it's, a, and it's an objective standard of measure. But, but Paul, when he says, talking about measuring things, he says in the voice version, he says... For we would never dare to compare ourselves with people who have based their worth on self-commendation. He says, these people, they've decided what the measure of a thing is going to be. And they're comparing themselves to each other. And, and they're thinking, whoa, I'm really scoring high here. Comparing myself to my neighbor and whoever my choice is. But he says, they check themselves against and compare themselves with one another. It just shows that they ha don't have any sense. So if you, if you take a ruler, and I had a ruler and I don't know what happened to it. If you take a ruler and measure it, everybody agrees on what an inch is and what, th what four inches is and those kind of things. But if you're measuring it against a standard that, that changes all the time and nobody knows what it is, like this right here. Measuring yourself against somebody else's Instagram feed or... 
Facebook posts or, or things like that. And you know how many people do that now? I had a young, I had a young man in college when I was uh, doing some counseling for the university. Um, and he was very depressed about his life. And when you, when you got, when we uncovered kind of what he was measuring his life against, do you know what it was? It was before the internet and it was before social media like we have it now. He was measuring himself against 90210. Do you know what that is? It was a television show about kids that lived in Beverly Hills. And he was comparing himself against these rich kids. Uh, that, I mean, very rich, very spoiled kids. They had anything they wanted, ne never had to work for anything. Um, it was, everything was given to them. 90210 is the area code for Beverly Hills. Um, they shopped on Rodeo Drive, war designer, everything. And I know that's common now because uh, it's become a very it's prevalent part of how we live our lives right now, unfortunately. And, but we'll compare ourselves to the Kardashians or, or Selena Gomez and what she's doing. And I'm just goofy things like that. Comparing ourselves to standards of measure that just don't make any sense at all. Don't make any sense at all. He, Paul said that. It just shows they don't have any sense. We were not meant to be alone. We were not meant to be alone by ourselves. To live our lives that way. In fact, when God said, when God said in creation, when he created the earth and he created, he created, separated the land from the water. And what did he say? What did he say after he created it? God said, it was good. And then he created fish and, and all those things. And it was good. And he, uh, he created the animals. It was good. Everything, he created man. It was good. The only thing that wasn't good, the very, very first thing that was not good was for man to be alone. That was the first thing that was not good. Was that, that was true then. It's right there in the Bible. It was true then. Is it still true now? It's still true now. We're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to function in this world alone. Um, when you go to a swimming pool, we were always taught to the buddy system. So, and the, some, they would blow a whistle and you'd make sure you know where your buddy was. That's the way we're meant to live life. Is with somebody to... Um, With somebody to support us and a lot of a lot of things. I'll stop. I'll get to that in a second. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs two seven one seven. Proverbs twenty seven verse seventeen. It says, "As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend." Anybody know what this thing is? Do you know what that is? It's a what? Almost. What is it, Noah? It's a sharpener for a knife. Yeah. 
It's different from most sharpeners because most sharpeners are like sandpaper. There's something or, there, or a rock and you rub on it and it's, it, pull, it scrapes steel off and, and makes the thing sharp. This is actually called a steel. It's called a knife steel or a hone steel. And it doesn't actually sharpen. Well, it, it effectively makes the knife sharpener, but it doesn't do it by taking, by taking stuff off. It actually straightens the edge of the knife because when you use the knife, the really sharp edge will get turned over a little bit and then it's not, it's not effective cutting anymore. And so this thing actually, it only takes two or three swipes of your knife and it will straighten the edge of it it doesn't need to be sharp. It just needs to be like straightened back out so that it cuts a nice smooth cut again. Um, it's called a hone steel. It's what Proverbs chapter 27 is talking about when it says, as iron sharpens iron. Did you, did you ever wonder that? There's two ways for iron to sharpen iron. One is that a hammer, you can sharpen out an edge on a thing, but you can't get it really sharp. Um, I've what it's talking about this is this right here. It doesn't actually take, it doesn't, it doesn't take the edge off. It just straightens the edge back out. Straightens it back out. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Um, the, word, the word that is translated church in the New Testament is the word ecclesia. Ecclesia. It's a Greek word, and it means the called out ones. Ek means out of, and, and kaleo means to call. So ecclesia means the called out ones. Um, and a lot of times when, when we talk about it, and, or something being called out, it's about us being separate. And that's a true thing about what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be separate from the world. We're supposed to look different from the rest of the world, and, and that is true. But part of being called out is about purpose. It's like a, it's like a team that's called, like, like Carson, y'all's softball team. Y'all have been called out of the big group of the school, and you're a group of girls that have played for years and years, and and you, y'all are, are iron sharpening iron with each other. If somebody hasn't worked out, do y'all ever give them a hard time? Hopefully you do. And somebody's not been doing the work that they're supposed to be doing. That's iron sharpening iron. A friend sharpens another. Makes them better. See, called out away from the world falls so far short of what called out means um, in in the Old Testament the Jews were a called out group but a lot of their being called out was just to be separated now it was for a purpose but they never paid any attention to that in the New Testament it very much it's called out for a purpose for an intended purpose by the way, the Spanish word for church, does anybody know what it is? Iglesia. Iglesia, ecclesia. Um, Iglesia Bautista. I don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> um, Iglesia Bautista is Baptist church. 
uh, Primera Iglesia Batista, First Baptist Church in Spanish. Iglesia, Ecclesia, you see where that comes from? They borrowed that word from the Greek. Um, called out to be separated, but separated for a purpose. For a purpose. You could take that softball team and take them out on Friday nights to play football. I think they probably do pretty good, but... That the purpose that they're called out for is a different purpose, right? So when we're talking about the church and being called out, I, wanna, I just want you to think about a few things. One thing is that we're called out for the purpose of improvement. And what Cruz does, what his group does, is different from what Carson's group does. Because Cruz's group is made for Friday night. Um, which everybody knows what Friday night is, right? That's football. Um, that, and different purposes, but called out for that particular purpose. And that group is put together. And they practice a certain way and they do things a certain way in order to improve each other. Um, that's the purpose of the church too. We're called out and part of our purpose is we're supposed to improve each other in, in how we operate on a daily basis and how we do with our families. We get to... We get to... See the way other people do their family and learn from that. And some of the improvement can just be from watching another person. You can watch how they do things and you can either, sometimes what you do, what, sometimes what you do is you figure out what doesn't work by, but, but the ultimate end is improvement. For the purpose of improvement, the church fellowship is called out for improvement. Secondly, they're called out for support. And when I say support, what does that mean? When I think about it, I think about building and things like that. And that you build, uh, when you build something very high, it's got to have support. And that the picture of that, something that's going tall has to have something that holds it up and supports it. The picture that I have when I think about the church and how we operate with each other, sometimes it's that. So when, when Dr. Taylor comes over to my house to deal with people and to fold all the clean clothes that were on our table because we lived out of the dryer. And, uh, sorry, Pam, I'm, I don't mean to tell. Him. We, we, did, we were never home very much and uh, we had kids in school and... And so we either got clothes out of the dryer and put them on or we got clothes out of the dryer and put them on the, the table in the kitchen and so we could put more clothes in the dryer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. Um, jo for the record, Josh raised his hand. He probably is never home either. They're always gone and doing things. But um, support the relationship that I had with her and with many church people that came along beside her. And what did they do? They held me up at a time when I couldn't stand on my own. 
And I found out what James, the brother of Jesus, was talking about in his New Testament letter over there right after the book of Hebrews. Just to the right of Hebrews is the book of James. And in that book it says that the testing of our faith works perseverance. Perseverance is to be able to still keep on going when the going is really, really tough. That's what perseverance is. And James says that, that when your faith gets tested, perseverance comes out in the end. And it's not tested like, hey, I'm going to give you all a test. It's like, like a rope gets tested. When you, get in a, when you get in a hammock, what happens? How many of you sit in a hammock really slowly to, get, to kind of test it? Make sure it's going to hold you. That's what, that's what being tested means is that the, the normal use of a thing work, tries out whether it's going to break or not or whether it's going to stay. The normal living that I was going through during that time, nobody gave me that test. Nobody created that. The circumstance created the situation. And whether I was going to last through it or not was determined by how I stood the trial. But it also helped me learn that I could get through anything. That I could trust God to see me through a time like that and bring peace. I, under, I learned what the peace that passes understanding meant. Because it didn't make any sense. I was able to minister to a family in the, in the next year at, at their funeral. They waited until I got back from a trip. To be able to preach the funeral. And the first thing I said when I spoke to them that afternoon, I said, Well, this really sucks. Don't, uh, thank you for not laughing because I didn't mean it as a joke. And they said, That released them from, because some of them thought, thought that they were broken or something was wrong with them because they, were, they felt bad. No, those situations are horrible. God thinks they suck too. And they suck for God. They, it is not a situation that we're made to go through. God doesn't do it to us. God suffered the same loss that I had suffered. When Jesus died on the cross. But support. Is one of the things that helped us get through that. Literally to hold each other up when necessary. The third thing that the church does for each other, and iron sharpens iron, it's still part of that whole analogy, is to encourage and exhort. Exhort is what, what happens when you're on the last lap of a 1600 meter run and somebody's standing there at that stretch and they go, Come on, you can do it. That's exhorting somebody. Not, you're the worst. Why are you running so slow? That's not exhortation. That's discouragement. Encouragement looks a lot different. It's, come on, you can do it. You're, you're almost there. That's what encouragement and exhortation looks like for the church. And one of the main purposes for us to be with each other is to be able to encourage each other. Now, that doesn't happen in a lot of places. A lot of places, somebody's throwing stones at you when you're just trying to make it to the finish line. Yeah. And when, 
when it's like that, you don't have to keep on holding on to it. Like I've held on to this hundred year old pencil. When it's like that, stones are being thrown or it's not working. It's okay to move on because you're not looking for just right. You're looking for what God's best is for you. And that's different from just right. Because trying to get things just right is the reason we go from one person to another. From one church to another. From one job to another. From one, all the things that we do where we leave, leave the old one behind and move on to something else. Looking for just right where we... Or just looking for whatever perfection is. Or whatever somebody else has. Or whatever all the reasons why we give things up. Exhortation. Building each other up. That's one. Encouraging. In King James they use a word called edification. That sounds so much like education that... I even when I knew what the word meant, my brain still somehow went to education. Even when I knew what the word meant, I still went to education. Edification means to build up. Edify means to build up. Build another person up. Encourage. Exhort. You can do it. You can do you can do better. You can do better. You can do awesome. Not you're doing so awful. You can do better. And lastly, accountability. And this is one that a lot of people don't want to hear. Accountability. Um, This is... You can't have accountability with someone unless you know them. For one thing, you have to be in enough of a relationship that you can write a check. That you, um, you have the emotional... Capital, an investment of emotional connection with a person enough so that you that you can say, "Hey, that was really dumb." <laughs> if you have no relationship with somebody and you say, "Well, that wasn't very smart," or that I think you could have done that a little bit better. If you have a relationship with a person, you can say that, and they can hear it. If you have no relationship with the person, it's goodbye pencil. I'll move on to the next thing. You have to have that relationship, the, the relational equity, the relational investment to be able to write a relational check that says, hey, that wasn't cool. Accountability. Um, when Jesus talked, and this is where we get to measurement. Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you know, you've heard it said that you should walk a mile for somebody, carry some, help carry someone's burden a mile. That was actually a rule that was in the Pharisees' rules. And that if somebody asked you to carry something, you, you, could carry, you had to carry it for a mile for them. And Jesus said, and this is the where the different measure comes into play. Like the ruler that you're using to measure whether something's legit or not. Jesus, the rule said you had to carry it a mile, but Jesus said you need to carry it an extra mile. So for Jesus, one mile was really two miles. 
And that's one of the things that we do in accountability is we determine whether or not, uh, okay, I know that you're saying you're moving a mile. Do you need the mic, Jojo? <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. The accountability says, yeah, I know you, you may have carried it a mile, but what's, up? what's our measure? It's two miles. That's the reason why that's the reason why we do church. That's the reason why why we have to have a commitment to a group of people to be in a connected relationship with each other because only that way can we practice accountability. Only in that way can we really be able to encourage each other in normal everyday life. Only that relationship creates all of the, the structures that we need to be able to support each other. Because at a time when you need it, you need to be able to let your friend in your house when maybe you wouldn't let anybody else in your house, like to fold all the clean clothes on your table. If you haven't made the preparation in relationship to do that, I mean, you couldn't let somebody in your house. Because we don't want to show people something that's not perfect. And lastly, improvement. That we can actually make each other better that way. Only in relationship. That's how iron sharpens iron that Proverbs talked about. Oh, I love these kids. They're the future of, a, of every church. Because we're not... None of us are going to be around here in a few years. It's going to be them that are going to be here. It, it's going to be them that's carrying on the work of the kingdom in central Oklahoma. And if we don't do all of the groundwork that's needed now, that won't happen. And I think that'll be sad because I think we've got an awesome church. If there was a better church, I'd probably go there. I'd encourage you to go there too. This is a good church that will help you be better, give you opportunities for encouraging each other. And give you the word that lays the foundation. Let me pray for you. I want to encourage you that if you have a need, we want to know what it is. Because we want to be able to pray for you and support you. Sometimes actually physically help you meet that need. So we're going to sing one more song. We're going to sing one more song in just a moment, and then we'll be dismissed. But if you have a prayer need, I want you to come to me, um, and we'll pray for you, all right? We prayed for some people on Wednesday night, and we're still continuing to pray for them, because uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of, we had an awesome time of just praying for people. We did what the scripture said, so let me pray for us now. Father... 
Father, thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for what you're doing in and through us. Um, what you do in our individual lives as well as what you do in this assembly that you've created. Uh, this church, Victory Life in Chandler. Father, I pray that you'd empower us to be the body of Christ, the church. In this community, in our schools, in our jobs, in the places that we shop, and in the places that we go to eat, that we be Jesus everywhere we go. For your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. So we uh, we forgot offering again. I don't know how we're going to financially make it. Um, we've got uh, the lime green boxes in the back that you can give. Um, oftentimes we do offering in the middle of worship, and that's not an accident. That's because we believe that worship is sacrifice. Worship is giving of your limited resources. You only really have two limited resources. One is time and one is money. We would like both. Actually, I say we. God would like both. Y'all know the expression, put your money where your mouth is. So that's what God wants from us. So uh, you are welcome to give this morning. I don't see the black buckets up here. So they already took them back. back. Okay. So if you haven't given, you want to give today, you can give online. You can give in the app. You can give uh, in that box in the back. Are there any kids who want to come up here and help me with this last song? Anybody, anybody? Come on, Olivia. Come on, Mila. I'm hoping that y'all get so good that I don't need to hook up this kick pedal and play this guitar and sing. Uh, that y'all will do that for me. Because the three of y'all could do each one of these things and then I wouldn't have to do any of them. I could sit out there and worship. So we're going to sing about God's goodness. Y'all ready for that? Here we go. If the computer will mind, is it minding? You are good. You are good in all things perfect. I can trust your promise. I've never seen you turn away. 
God's love beyond deserving I have seen your mercy Follow me all my days Oh, it doesn't make sense How your love is so good You call me your friend And I thought I was too far gone I know you're never gonna let me go You can only be good You can't be anything else You can't be anything else You're so good Thank you, God Hindsight that's always 2020. Oh, I can look behind me and see just how far I've come. Save me from the brink of falling, mercy shutting doors before me. Now I see all the good you've done, and it doesn't make Sure. I look at my past and I see you there all along So I know you're never gonna let me go You are good, you can only be good You can't be anything else, you can't be anything
You're so good. You are good to me. So good. You are good to me. You're faithful. You are good. And you are good. You can only be good. You can't be anything else. You can't be anything else. You are good. You can only be good. You can't be anything else. You can't be anything else. I would encourage you just to pray right now. Just close your eyes and thank God for the things that you've forgotten. The things that you've taken for granted. Because we've all done that. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for how we pray. Thank you for for your goodness you have to be prepared to be able to say this and to be able to think this way I watched last weekend a young woman who is going through a difficult time in her life right now and she was singing a song about God's goodness even when she wasn't experiencing that in her life right then but she she was able to sing I, I don't know if it was this song or a different one but she was able to sing you can only be good you're a good God always doing good things you have to prepare yourself to be able to believe that when things don't look that way. When circumstances don't look that way. That's when you need to have had your faith tried out so that you can persevere when the going gets tough. Amen. God bless y'all. Have an awesome week.